Glen Cove to Genesee County, from Richmond Valley to Locust Point, and right here in the borough of Brooklyn, it's 5 p.m. across the five boroughs and the 62 counties. And so it's time for Max and Murphy, your interview and call-in show about the policies, politics, and people of New York City and New York State. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Jared, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm well. You? Uh, pretty well. A lot going on. A frenzy. There is. Uh, June is shaping up to be a very busy month in city and state politics. We've got city budget season, Queens District Attorney primary coming up June 25th, among a few other uh, elections happening that day. Um, but the biggest uh, top of mind, top of topic of today is Game what's happening tonight. in Albany. Oh, right. The, the NHL right. Uh, Stanley Cup final. Sure. Um and yes, the, but the whole rent the, thing. The yeah. state government coming down to the wire for folks unfamiliar, there's really only uh, action in Albany for half of each year. There's a budget season the first few months of the year and then a couple other months of legislative session that ends usually sometime in June. And so we're right up against that end of the year in Albany. And that's technically where being a member of the state legislature has sort of been a part-time gig. And uh, But legislators are also expected to be back in their districts for the other half of the year. And it's an overtime gig this time of year because they are racing to the deadline they do every year. They race to the budget deadline in April and they race to the end of session deadline. And this year there have been a number of topics on the table. The most important and one that is frequently on the table when June rolls around are the rent regulations affecting at least 2 million people here in the city, others in some of the surrounding counties. And yesterday was announced a sweeping deal between the Democrats who control the House, I'm sorry, the Assembly and the Senate uh, on uh, kind of a generation's worth of reforms to the way rent is regulated. And, and now appears as though Governor Cuomo will sign that bill. He, he said says today. he's going to sign it. Yeah. It's been fascinating dynamics. And uh, we'll, we'll pause on that for a minute because we're going to be joined at 510 by Casey Seiler, who's managing editor at the Albany Times Union, has been a state government uh, watcher and watchdog for a long time up there in Albany. So he'll be able to give us a lot of good perspective on where things are at with session, this big rent regulations deal and the governor's sort of role and the governor and the legislature and how that's all shaping up. But this is really a monumental uh, deal on rent regulation, strengthening them in the favor of tenants. Not everything that tenant advocates wanted, of course, that was never going to happen, but um, a pretty big deal that's getting a lot of a lot of praise from those advocates and legislators, even those who wanted even a bit more, are recognizing that this is a pretty sweeping deal. We should say there's no ink that is dry yet. So, you know, everything comes with a little bit of a caveat that until things are voted on and approved by the governor, they are not final. That's correct. And the deadline for them to do that on rent regs is June 15th. That's when that sun sets. And of course, the session itself ends June 19th. And just to stay on rent regs for a second, the, the topic will or the, the focus of that topic will shift back to the city as soon as business is done in Albany this weekend on rent regs, because on June 25th, the Rent Guidelines Board, which is who sets the annual rent increases. The rules of the road are set in Albany. The actual numbers are put together each year by the RGB. They make their final vote June 25th. That is an annual ritual. Everyone crowds into a room. Landlords shout for one thing, tenants for another, and they come out with the increase, um, which this year appears to be what some would call a modest increase, not enough for landlords 
too much, tenants would say, not nearly as low as it was a couple of years ago when we had a uh, zero. effectively a zero yeah. a rent freeze in the city. So that's coming up next week. So this rent package, you know, we'll unpack it in the weeks to come. We'll unpack it a little bit later uh, in the show, certainly when we're joined by Casey Seiler of the Albany Times Union. And then later in the show, we're going to be joined by Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. We'll talk to him on a bunch of topics, including the rent regulations. He, of course, you know, is a bit of a figurehead position, but is, you know, a leader in Brooklyn where many, many rent regulated tenants live. Um, so we'll get his take on that and then a lot more to talk about with Eric Adams, um, who will join us for a wide ranging conversation later in the show. So there is uh, the rent regulation deal in Albany is clearly the headline of the day. It's going to be talked about for quite some time. There are other things going on in Albany that we'll talk with Casey about when he joins us. But then there's a bunch of other things happening uh, in city politics. As I mentioned, this Queens DA primary is coming down to the wire two weeks from yesterday, June 25th. Democrats in Queens, you should definitely be getting ready to vote in that election on the 25th. Um, fascinating primary shaping up there. Yes, definitely a fascinating primary. A seven-way primary. Remarkable how that conversation has shifted from the Richard Brown era when Queens was the toughest on crime borough, really, to a contest among Democrats to out-progressive one another and a debate uh, last night where they clashed on on a few sort of nuanced points, not whether to end cash bail, but whether to end it for everything. And uh, an interesting matchup there um, with several different interesting players, but the polls seem to be Melinda Katz, the establishment candidate endorsed by the governor and others Mm -hmm. uh, for DA, and uh, uh, Tiffany Caban, who is the um, public defender, defender, the one who's been endorsed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and is kind of running in that lane, um, calling to kind of de-prosecute the prosecutor's (laughs) office. So a fascinating race. Yeah, and we shouldn't, you know, leave, we don't know what's going to happen in this race. There is no public polling. Um, One of the other candidates, Greg Lasik, uh, had to release his polling because he was using it in fundraising. So there's something about the campaign finance law that that triggered. So I believe it was Patch had an uh, article on what those internal polls showed, which are basically what you said, that Melinda Katz is heavily favored. Um, and then there's others sort of uh, in the mix. But uh, Greg Lasick, longtime prosecutor and judge who stepped down from the bench to run for DA, um, is in the mix. He's gotten a lot of law enforcement union endorsements. And then city council member Rory Lanceman, certainly you'd probably put in the top four picture out of the seven candidates, although it's, again, we don't know what's going to happen or who should be talked about as leaders of the race, although you have to assume Katz, who's the only candidate that's won borough-wide in any election, is a favorite. Um, And then there's a few other well-qualified candidates, interesting candidates in the mix. We're actually going to talk Queen's district attorney race next week on the show um, to break that down even closer to that election day. Other things going on, we have Tonight, not long after, we'll be off the air. The New York City 2019 Charter Revision Commission is supposed to be making some big decisions about what to put on the ballot this fall. They may not make all those decisions tonight. They have it built in that they might take one more meeting to do so. So we'll be covering that at Gotham Gazette to see what they uh, possibly decide on tonight. Some big decisions there. Yeah, among them, ranked choice voting, or some people call it instant runoff voting. A very interesting proposal, garnering a lot of support. Uh, And what will be interesting there is to see how far down the ballot they extend those, whether it's just for citywide or borough offices or also city council. And we'll be looking, obviously, at the land use proposals on the table. There was obviously hope that there might be a move toward comprehensive planning and fundamental reform of the way the city does environmental review. The staff 
draft report that the commission put out did not point in that direction, called for meaningful but more modest uh, uh, proposals. We'll see where they come down on that. Also, there's stuff about um, the Civilian Complaint Review Board yes. um, and that, that, city budgeting. There's yep. a lot of a lot of interesting stuff that is on the table. Whether or not they decide to put it on the ballot is obviously the question to be answered. Yeah, now. I mean, it seems at this point that the only thing we seem to know that they're going to go for is ranked choice voting, which they'll put in front of voters to, to decide to approve or disapprove. We pretty much know that, although they have to agree on the specifics at some point of what the system would look like. And then beyond that, as you say, there's a bunch of things on the table, maybe some things that the staff report left off that commissioners are still pushing for. So it'd be pretty interesting to see what they come up with. I think a, a good bit of momentum to do sweeping things has been lost uh, from this commission. And so we'll see what they wind up doing. I think the thing on the, the CCRB about how to maybe give it more teeth or change the appointment process to the Civilian Complaint Review Board, which has NYPD oversight, will be very interesting. And also whether it gets some subpoena power, things like that. So a bunch to watch for there. We'll be covering that. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the city budget process is involved with the Charter Commission. It is city budget season. Um, there's just a couple weeks left before that deadline. That's right. That's July 1st deadline, the start of the city's fiscal year. And um, there hasn't been a lot of coverage on that, I think, outside of Gotham Gazette because of the focus on Albany. But there is certainly there are large areas of disagreement between the mayor and the council. It'd be very interesting to see how Corey Johnson plays this one. Um, there are questions being raised about deals made at budget time last year. You know, there's going to be a protest this evening outside Gracie Mansion by people from Metro Industrial Areas Foundation, East Brooklyn Congregations, calling for the mayor's resignation because they contend that he welched on a deal to uh, provide $500 million of city money for senior affordable housing on public land. The city counters that was not the promise they made, that it was uh, something more textured than that. Uh, but that is uh, an indication of the fact that the, the, some of the um, deals struck during these sort of 11th hour negotiations uh, do, do have an afterlife and potential consequences for people who, who make them. And I'm sure that's something that uh, both the mayor and, and Speaker Johnson are aware of. There doesn't seem to be that many you know, sort of big ticket items being negotiated between the city council and the mayor as we as we hit the sort of end of budget season. And the other thing to keep in mind there, and we won't get into this um, probably too much uh, on, on this show, is that the mayor continues to be running for president. And the first Democratic primary debate is June 26th and 27th. They're having it over two nights. He looks like he's probably qualified among 20 candidates who will be making that debate. And I bring that up in part because he's going to want a city budget deal done before the June 26th, 27th primary debate, assuming he's is indeed on the stage, which we're going to find out in the next day or two. So that's sort of a deadline. Actually, I think that's a little closer than the July 1st actual technical deadline for a budget. Although who knows, you know, they are certainly negotiating over a bunch of finer points uh, of the budget, and they'll have to have to figure that out. And just since you mentioned that, before we move to our first guest uh, on the presidential front, Bill de Blasio received an endorsement today, just this afternoon, in the Daily News, Assemblywoman Rodney Spichot, uh saying Brooklyn, that she was yeah. she was endorsing him for president. It's an interesting argument she makes. Go read it, saying that he kept it real, uh, although he was not a flashy uh, politician either as a candidate or as mayor. So, an interesting argument for the candidacy of Bill de Blasio to be our next. 
Commander in chief. And our second guest is going to be Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. And we'll maybe get his quick take. We want to talk to him about a bunch of other things, but we'll maybe get his quick take on de Blasio's presidency. Adams has been a pretty close de Blasio ally and one of the few elected officials de Blasio has been close with where the relationship has seemed to stay pretty good. So we'll maybe get his take on that. But first, let's bring on our first guest, Casey Seiler, the managing editor at the Albany Times Union. Casey, thanks for joining us here on WBAI. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So let's start with this big um, rent regulations deal that came together. The two legislative majorities announced a deal last night and Governor Cuomo reacted to it today. Um, we don't need to go into all the planks of the deal, but how do you how would you sort of capture uh, from the Albany viewpoint there the sort of magnitude of this deal that came together? It's significant. It is. It's it's the only absolutely necessary progressive ask that has to get done. Rent regs, of course, expire at the end of this week, and it looks like the the bill, the very large rent reg bill, will be ripe for a vote on Friday in both houses. And so they're going to they're going to make the deadline. It includes lots of things that, of course, progressives have been uh, you know waiting for for a long time. Among them, most significantly, the you know, the virtual end of vacancy decontrol in the city. Um, in upstate, a very significant and a new wrinkle, um, the possibility for the extension of rent control into other communities. If a community has a vacancy rate that is below 5%, which, of course, is the, is the limit in the city, um, on uh, homes uh, or of, uh, residences of six units or more that was built before 1974, then a community could essentially opt in to rent control. That's a big deal. It got some pushback from uh, upstate Democrats, including in my own lovely city of Albany, um, that uh, there were concerns that it might impede development in certain kind of hot downtown neighborhoods, for example. It is, it is not something that you will find in a, in a lot of upstate communities, but in, in a couple it's kind of a big deal. The governor, of course, today said that he is going to is going to sign it. That uh, he's going to live by what he has been saying for days now, which is uh, I'll sign I'll, I'll sign whatever they they pass, whatever the assembly and the senate passes. Especially, he he said the assembly bill, which was uh, closer to his heart and closer to to progressive desires. He's he's going to sign it. So um, so that's confirmed. One feature of the politics of this process, Casey, is the apparent exclusion of the governor from some of these negotiations. You know, the Senate and House, Senate and Assembly basically put this deal together, together themselves. Cuomo commented from the outside, but in in the Cuomo era, is that kind of unprecedented for a major policy decision like this to be essentially hammered out without Cuomo's participation? It is, but we are we are living in special times, as they say. Yeah, uh, you you said exclusion. It was kind of it almost seemed like a self exclusion, which was very very strange. As you know, Andrew Cuomo is not known as a hands off governor um, on on so many big high profile issues, and and rent regulation is certainly one of those. He's he is the guy who is calling the meetings to work out the nitty-gritty details along, of course, with his people and the people um, uh, who work for the legislative leaders. Uh, I, I would compare this negotiation or non-negotiation or uh, kabuki or whatever you want to call it 
to 2011, where on on uh, marriage equality, you know, the passage of same-sex marriage, the governor was intimately involved, working all of the gears and levers in almost uh, a sort of LBJ kind of way. And in comparison, this time around, the governor basically laid back in the cut and said, as we were just discussing, I'll sign whatever they whatever they managed to pass. And uh, some someone floated to me earlier today that the legislative leaders have made the governor irrelevant. I that might be yeah, going I don't know about a that. little bit too far, <laughs> but the the governor basically said, uh, you know, and I'm paraphrasing that. The, the the secret hand, as it were, that moved this bill towards becoming uh, a, a very a progressive accomplishment. He he was limited in his um, in his praise for the bill, but he said it was the best that you could get from uh, the best they're going to do, meaning the legislature. And um, the the governor basically seemed to be implying that even though he wasn't in you know deeply involved in negotiations and that this was worked out. Uh, with the legislature, he essentially uh, marked out the you know the, the the chalk marks that they had to hit, and they did it. So he's going to sign it. But yeah, it's 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 very very different from the way that he's handled things in the past. But of course, this is the first time ever in his governorship that he's contended with an all democratic legislature. In the past, the governor could switch off between. The fiscally conservative Senate Republicans and the socially progressive uh, Democrats who overwhelmingly control the assembly. And this year, you can kind of see the wizard having to having to pull a new book of spells off the shelf, as it were. Right. Yeah. There's so many fascinating layers to what's going on there. And I, I, tell me what you think of this. I mean, it seemed to me watching today's press conference um, that you know both Governor Cuomo and his top aide Melissa DeRosa were sort of you know, sort of taking credit that that by calling, you know, what they said, calling the bluff of the Senate that they had support for all nine of the assembly's bills, which did not wind up uh, making up what the package is that they agreed on. They agreed on uh, basically eight of the bills and some of them in a little bit of a more moderate fashion than the assembly had outlined. But basically by, by putting that out there that, yeah, whatever the assembly can get done, we'll sign that they sort of helped influence and push the the Senate to get to an agreement. I mean, does that seem like what they were saying that and and also sort of taking credit that they they knew that the Senate wasn't going to get there on all nine bills. So they were sort of able to sit back and just say, whatever you can get to, we're good with. That that seemed to be that seems to be a fairly a a fairly cogent description of of what happened. But, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of uh, uh, weird spots in that map as to how we we actually you know got here. I I would love to know the kind of secret history of how many calls from the legislature to the governor to say uh, would this provision work? Would that provision work? You know, were they answered? Were they not answered? How many staff level discussions happened? Right. That that kind of thing. It's um. It, it is as as we said before. It's a it's a very very different way of of moving lawmakers of kind of the the hydraulics of how things get done in Albany, and it it shows just how much has just how much has changed. Um, and we haven't even uh, begun to discuss the way that the governor has spent the last couple of weeks really just hammering the Senate uh, Democratic Conference on on so many things. Today, you heard him say. 
which seems like sort of a, a suitable endpoint for for these types of this type of criticism that he's laid down, that if the big progressive asks asks that are still to come, many of which were on the governor's kind of ten point uh, list of things that he says has to get done by the end of the session, that if some of those big things don't get done, uh, that the Democrats Senate the Democrats in the Senate deserve to be primaried, <laughs> and he was asked, well, would you? support those primary challenges and he said oh let's you know let's not get ahead of ourselves or- <laughs> yeah, let's let's right. not which is fascinating because just a few days ago jay jacobs warned similarly that democrats might face challenges and might lose seats but he was suggesting that uh, that that would be a threat from from the center or the right that if if the if the caucus swings too far to the left if the legislative accomplishments are too far on the progressive side that that would have consequences cuomo seemed to be arguing almost the opposite well, those are all those measures. Marijuana, driver's licenses for illegal immigrants, are measures that Cuomo advocates for. And so Cuomo's argument when he was asked about Jay, Jay Jacobs' comments was, "Well, you know, I'm a New York City progressive, and New York City progressives back driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants and uh, and adult use uh, recreational marijuana." But, hey, Jay was just making the point that uh, for some people, uh, that's, a, that's a tough vote. We Which should is, see. once again, a reversal of the way that Cuomo has, in the past, presented himself as uh, the governor of, of the whole state. And what, you know, New York as kind of the progressive beacon. Now he was essentially arguing that, hey, man, I'm just another New York City liberal. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, I think in part, if it's not a, a real fiscal matter... I think the governor has, uh, you know, seemingly almost decided there's really no limit to to sort of what I'll go with um, on the progressive side of the social agenda. Um, and he knows that, you know, very likely, um, you know, he's got about as much of a threat in a Democratic primary as he does in a general election at this point. I mean, you know, it all depends on the candidates and the dynamics of the races. But, you know, it seems like that's a little bit of the calculation there. If it doesn't have a fiscal impact, which is what he really cares seemingly about being a moderating force on, then he's he's good to go. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. And, I'll, you know, to repeat a joke that um, I made on New York Now last week, I'm sure that Jay Jacobs tells his wife that he loves her without checking with Andrew Cuomo. But on anything that's political, I'm sure he gets a he gets a buy your leave. Right. He's he, we I don't know if we said he's the chair of the state party, which is you know right. basically an appointed position by Governor Cuomo. And Jacobs was recently installed in that position. I do want to say on this driver's license issue, the state assembly is, as we speak, taking this bill up. And there is not clarity as to whether the Senate Democrats will even put it up for a vote. Uh, which is which is pretty interesting dynamics after they just came together on the rent regulations that the assembly is going ahead on driver's licenses for all uh, without the Senate, at least publicly, agreeing on anything. Yeah, that's going to be one of the fascinating things to watch um, for the little bit more than a week we have left in in the session to see if anything happens with marijuana, to see whether or not the Senate takes up and passes driver's licenses, um, and also, the governor sort of threw something on the on the fire today, where he said that the um, the climate change bill, that is another big progressive ask, is um, not necessarily uh, dead for the rest of this session. Of course, the the big question there, the the classic cliche, the devils are in the details, definitely applies to that because you know one one person's Green New Deal or Climate Change Protection Act. 
might be somebody else's watered down mile environmental bill, but we'll have to we'll have to see what happens there. So be courageous, Casey, and give us a prediction. Uh-huh. You know, you just mentioned some of the of the many big ticket items that remain on the docket now that rent regs appears to be taken care of. Although, as Ben mentioned earlier, the ink is not yet dry. What do you see there being action on? What do you see making it through of the the very long list of remaining to do items up there? I, I think the Senate does end up passing uh, driver's licenses. Wow. I, well, because I think that the Senate. Uh, would much rather do that this year than next year. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be the one controversial bill that um, that they can get to. On marijuana, I, th- I think there are still a lot of items, uh, details, um, economic questions that that need to be addressed. I'm I'm not as confident, if that's the word, that um, that those will be ironed out before before the end of the session in the time remaining. And we're very but likely... I, I could be very wrong on both of those. <laughs> sure, sure. Which, and we, I mean, we, I could make an argument the same way. Right, right, right. Um, and we should be expecting um, sort of a traditional big ugly of sorts at the very last uh, day of session, whenever that actually winds up being. It's scheduled for June 19th. The question really is how big and how ugly is that... Um, is that where you're at, or or what do you think? Do you think it'll be a very quiet end? No one will ever lose money <laughs> betting on or betting against a, uh, a a big ugly. You know, a session ending big ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm sorry, betting on a big ugly. That is the it is the classic way um, that that business is settled at at the end of the session, uh, with the exception of a couple of especially in non-election years. In election years, you, you can see people backing away from controversial issues, and that makes a, a, the session ending big, ugly, a little less big and a little less ugly. But off years uh, do tend to include a lot of big stuff that, that closes at the, uh, at the very end. So, Casey, talk about, you know, the, obviously these are all incredibly substantive issues. I don't mean to short sell them, but to talk about the political impact of what we've seen so far, especially in these last few weeks, but over this entire session, you know, not just into next year, but the years after that. Governor Cuomo has said uh, he intends to seek a fourth term. He obviously has plenty of time left in this third one. Uh, you've got next year coming up with his Democratic majority still there. The way that, say, Rent Rex has come down, do you see long-lasting political uh, fallout from that in terms of the balance of power in Albany, in terms of scores being settled or stuff like that? What do you think the fallout or, or, or aftertaste looks like? Well, it, it's, it's interesting that the, this session will be bookended by, near the very beginning, the closing, not perfect, but um, significant closure of the LLC loophole that allowed huge uh, real estate developers to multiply the force of their political giving by being able to give the max through all of the limited liability companies that they control. And now the session is closing down with a rent regulation uh, bill that many of those same uh, real estate interests are not going to be very happy about. And the governor actually said today that... uh, the fact that he was going to sign this bill was a sign that he was not, as many people have alleged, uh, unduly controlled by real estate interests. You can 
you can take that as you may. Right. Um, well, we don't have time and, to and, dissect that and, one. I know that's a whole, that's a whole show right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. No, that one really perked my ears up when I was when I was watching that one. But, uh, but that is when you when you think of how over the course of the last however many decades, some of the biggest donors uh, at the st- on the statewide level and also in legislative races have been real estate interests. You've got to wonder how those two those two things, those two bookend legislative accomplishments are going to affect things not only next year but on down the road. Because remember, whoever takes the Senate and the Assembly, really the Senate, because Democrats aren't going to be unseated in the Assembly anytime, you know, probably in my lifetime, um, uh, will get to control redistricting, the next round of redistricting, and that is big casino mm-hmm. for Republicans. If Republicans can retake the Senate this uh, next next year, they will uh, they will have a hand in controlling redistricting as they have for however many decades um, before, and that could that could turn a two year uh, exile from power into something much more difficult to turn around. It's a great point on the bookends of the LLC loophole and the rent regulations. Um, And we have a lot more to discuss, but we're going to have to leave it there. Casey Seiler. Uh, Casey is managing editor at the Albany Times Union, and you can read his columns uh, at the Albany Times Union. And of course, a lot of the political coverage that he helps lead. Casey, thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks. And we'll be right back. We're back on Max and Murphy here on WBAI, listener-sponsored non-commercial radio, coming to you from 99.5 FM. Jarrett Murphy here with Ben Max and Reggie Johnson behind the glass. We just heard from Casey Seiler, the managing editor at the Albany Times Union, about all the exciting developments in Albany over the past 24 hours and those that lay ahead over the next few days. Ben, any uh, big takeaways from that? interesting discussion? Well, just where he left off, which I said was a great point, was this idea that the session in Albany early on this year uh, in part started with a mostly closure of this LLC loophole on campaign fundraising that very often came from the real estate industry and finishes with these rent regs that really um, you know, show real estate's diminished power in Albany. And so that's a pretty fascinating way that he put it. Um, you know, I also I'll also add, you know, when he when he went back to this uh, to the LLC loophole point we're we've almost I think at this point and there'll be plenty of time to dissect this when the session actually ends. We've almost lost sight of how much has actually gone through that Democrats promised to do. And it'll be interesting to really take stock of all that when the session is over. How about you? Fascinating. I just want to stay on that point because it's so interesting, too, when you're if you're a Cuomoologist, hmm. LSE loophole, no one over the course of New York State history benefited from it more than Andrew Cuomo. He promised for years to close it. When Democrats got control, they did it almost with uh, an absence of drama. And it certainly, I think, helped to shape the landscape through which we got this rent deal, which was sweeping, and which the governor appears to be not entirely happy with either the the merits of it or at least the fact that he was not a big part of negotiating it. So just very interesting how um, that, that history has played out. Indeed. More to dissect there. And next week on the show, when we're back, we will have more to talk about from Albany because there will be a lot uh, happening between between now and then, certainly. And next Wednesday is actually the scheduled last day. And by the time we're on the air next week, we could either have a lot more that's happened or close to happening, or we could be really waiting for them to come to that final, uh, quote unquote, big, ugly deal.